If you could put your Bible, your fingers to your Bible, Philippians 1, verses 1 to 6. In your pew Bible, it is on page 830. Follow along as I read. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Our pastor has allowed me to um, have the privilege of the, in the pulpit to, to start a series on Philippians, one of my favorite books, probably, probably my favorite book in the Bible. And, and when we think about Philippians, we think about a book of prayer, thanksgiving, um, even a book of joy amidst suffering, right? And when we think about suffering, we think about Paul's suffering, right? Because when he's writing Philippians, where is he? Jail. He's in jail. He's in jail in Rome. So in the next 20 minutes that I have today, um, let me just, as we, I introduce Philippians to you, let me, I want to give you a better understanding of the context and what is happening in this book. And Paul writes this book to the Church of Philippi, and there's, just, there's several reasons why he's writing. One, there is opposition and suffering in the church. There are people who, want, who Paul says are dogs and wanna, want to mutilate the flesh in chapter 3. And the church is, goes, is going through persecution through the neighboring communities that are around. Another reason is there is internal unrest in, in the church. Um, there is internal posturing going on, and Philippians 4 talks about conflict between two women in the church. And another reason, last, last reason, is Paul's friendship and love for the people, right? He wants to send Epaphroditus to the church, right? And to send his, well, his thoughts and his, his prayers are with them, and it's just to, he wants to write a letter just to say how thankful he is for this church, and and this church of Philippi has a has a pretty good history. So if you want to fall back with with me, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter sixteen, so we could learn about the history of the formation of this church. Acts chapter sixteen. I'm just going to read um, verses six to eleven, six to ten. They went through the region of. Phrygia and Galatia and were prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So bypassing Mysia, they came down to Troas. During the night, a vision appeared to Paul. A Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. So Paul goes to Macedonia, and this is he goes there, and once he goes there, he, he meets a woman named Lydia. 
shares the gospel to her. She was a, a seller of wealthy goods. He, he, he shares the gospel to a, a girl who was a slave, ends up becoming imprisoned. And then do, while, he, while he's in prison, he shares the gospel to um, one, of the, one of the guys who's keeping him in prison, a jailer. So Lydia, this Lydia, he shares the gospel to Lydia and her household, the jailer and his household, and the slave girl. This is the beginning of the church of Philippi. And, and so this is the church that he loves. He loves this church. If, and if you look at the beginning of uh, Philippians 1, we'll see why, why he loves this church. Okay, so follow along with me. It says, Philippians 1, verses 1 to 2. It says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this looks like a normal greeting that Paul usually has. But it's, it's a little different. We read Colossians earlier, and when Paul introduced, introduces himself in in the book of Colossians, he says, Paul and Timothy, Paul, apostle of Christ Jesus. But in this book, he says something different. What, is, what does he say that he is? A slave. And what do we know about slaves? And it, the, the term slave has a negative connotation to us now, but in Greco-Roman society, it didn't have that negative connotation that it does to us in Western society. But it did mean someone that was owned. It's someone that had a master. You see, the slave was not a free person, but belonged to another. And who did Paul belong to? Christ. Christ. So the word servant, slave, connotes a, a picture of humility. right? And we see this picture of humility fleshed out more in, when we get to Philippians 2, in the humility of Christ. So he goes on in this letter, and he says... I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Paul starts Philippians 1 with the paragraph thanking the church of Philippi for everything that they've done. And this, and this love for the church of Philippi comes to a church that for over the years throughout Paul's ministry had remained close to him. You see, gratitude to God is uppermost in Paul's thoughts as he thinks about the church. And it's pretty amazing to see that Paul, while he's in prison, suffering in jail, and not knowing if he'll, if he'll be executed there, not knowing if he's going to get released, is filled with joy, thanking God as he remembers the church. That's a pretty amazing picture to me. And a question for you guys as a church to us when you think about FSBC Bellflower, does our attitude immediately go towards thanksgiving and praise to God? Or does our attitude go to what we think is wrong with the church? And it was when I was studying this text, I was, it was convicting to me, like, man, what do I think about when I think about my church? Does, do I immediately give thanks to God for for putting me in this church with the people that I'm with. And I started to make me think of people who in the church do I who in the church do I think give thanks to God for the people here? And I think about our brother Ken. 
And I've seen him send emails and even verbally tell, tell me and tell others of how thankful he is for the church. And it was convicting to me to me, because I was thinking, do I desire to be around the church? Do I desire to be around God's people, to hear what is going on in the lives of the saints, to see how we can serve and encourage one another and to advance and spread the gospel in our communities? But Paul thanked God for these people, and he even tells you the frequency of it. He said he thanked God for them always, always. What, so what does it mean for Paul to give thanks to God always? And this, this, it wasn't that Paul was praying 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, always praying for the church of Philippi. But it meant that in Paul's daily discipline of prayer, he always made it an emphasis to be praying for the church of Philippi. And this is an application for us as a church as Paul prays for the Philippian church always, every day, we have these things called prayer lists where we can be praying for one another as a church. And praying the prayer list allows you to actually think about the other church members in the church to stir your affections towards them and, and prevents you from hardening your heart towards the people here. For me, it allows me to see my deficiencies when I'm thinking about the church members. Say, I'll get to a certain day, and I'll have to pray for a certain church member, and I'll have no idea what to pray for them. And it's a conviction to me, telling me that I need to know what's going on in that person's life. And hopefully it, is, it does the same thing to you. So let's keep going. Verse, what else do we notice about Paul's prayer and thanksgiving? We see that in Paul's prayer and thanksgiving, he did it with joy. Right? It says that I give thanks to I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. You see, joy lies at the heart of the Christian experience of the gospel. God gives his people joy in the fact that they have a new identity in Christ. This is why Paul can have joy while he's in prison. You see, when we believe in the message of the gospel, we, when we believe that God sends his son Jesus Christ on our behalf to redeem a sinful people from their sins by dying on the cross, rising again from the dead, and reconciling a people that were far away from him, and rec- bring it, drawing them near into his family... It brings joy. You see, the message of the gospel doesn't promise us good health, good circumstances. It doesn't promise Paul a good life, right? He's in prison. But it, but it does promise life, eternal life. It, the message of the gospel doesn't promise us that all of the solutions to our problems will be fixed, but it does promise a solution to our biggest problem, our enmity with God because of the sin in our lives. So it should give us joy. The message of the gospel should give us joy. And so, 
for the rest of the time we have now here, let's look at the, the reasons why Paul thanked God for the church of Philippi. I'll start again at verse 4, at 3 again. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we can have three, we're going to see three applications here. And um, the three reasons why Paul gave thanks to God for this church. He thanked God for, number one, their remembrance of him, of Paul. Number two, he thanked God for the Philippian church because of their partnership in the gospel. And number three, he thanked God because that he was convinced that God would complete the work that he was doing in the Philippian church. So the first one, their remembrance of him. It says here that Paul was the one who was remembering them, but this is a mutual remembering, right? He's writing this letter because they, because they did remember him. They, they, they were supportive of his ministry, even financially, in other ways, through prayer, and in and, and all other ways. So they remembered Paul through their concern for him while he's in prison. They remembered him through monetary financial support. And they remembered him through prayer, praying for him. So that's the first one we'll see. They remembered him also, number two, through the partnership in the gospel. So what does this mean? They partnered with Paul in the gospel through financial support of Paul's ministry, through sympathy of Paul's sufferings, through prayer for Paul, prayer for Timothy and the, and the gospel work. They might have even suffered alongside Paul for the sake of the gospel. But the most likely meaning of this idea of partnership in the gospel or fellowship in the gospel is is that the Philippine church were actually spreading the gospel themselves. So not only did they partner with Paul as he told, as Paul shared the gospel to them and they believed in it, but this same message that Paul shared to them, they shared to others. They shared it to the rest of Philippi and beyond. So church, a question for you. Have you ever considered that the other members of this church and the other people alongside you are partners in the gospel with you? Or that they are core laborers of the gospel with you? Since we are partners in the gospel together, let us work together by loving God with each other and loving each other well too. We do this by meeting needs of the church By seeking God in all things, we do this by pursuing holiness together, reading the Bible together, sharing the gospel to non-Christians and to ourselves, because we need the gospel as well. So that's the second thing. The third thing that Paul was thankful for was that he was convinced that God would complete the work. The first two things that Paul was thankful for stressed the activity of the people in Philippi. But this one stresses God's activity. That God was the one who was going to do the work. Paul is convinced, he is persuaded that this partnership in the gospel will continue not only now, but be completed at the day of Christ. 
And Paul's confidence has very little to do with the people in Philippi, but everything to do with his confidence in God, his confidence in God's faithfulness. Hebrews 12 says that, um, let us run the, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Paul believes that Christ is the one who starts the faith, and he will make sure that this faith is, is finished, will be completed. And as you read this verse, you might be, you might be, as you read verse 6, you might be thinking, he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You might be thinking, what is this good work? What does it mean by good work? Doesn't Ephesians say that by grace you have been saved, not by works? The good work here doesn't mean salvation, right? I believe that it does mean salvation. I believe the good work does reference God's salvation and transformation. Yet we read here that it isn't us who is doing the work, Right? It is God who is the one doing the work. God is the one who starts the work. You see, for Paul, there is no salvation that does not include a transformed life. He emphasizes this later on in in this chapter when he says that, that we need to live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So we see the three things that Paul was thankful for. He was thankful to God for the Church of Philippi for the remembrance of him, for their partnership in the gospel, and he was thankful because he knew that he was convinced that God would complete the work. So the last thing I want to share to you guys is is verse 6, where it talks about one of Paul's biggest motivations. He he, He says, He started a good work in you and will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We kept, we, we sang songs about the return of Christ today. And we see that this is a big motivation for Paul, the day of Christ Jesus. He was always talking about the return of Christ, to always be thinking about the return of Christ. You see, as Christians, we are people of the future. We are people for the future. We are living in an already and not yet kingdom. And this is what keeps Paul going while he's in prison. Paul knows that he's a sojourner and he's a stranger in in this world. And he's not living for the things of here, but he's living for eternal, his eternal reward. We see this in the the rest of Philippians when he talks about um, in chapter 3 where he says, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He is looking towards what's ahead, what's in the future. In Philippians 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So church, we need to have a heavenly mindset, thinking of what, thinking of the return of Christ and thinking that it's coming soon. We don't know when, but it's coming soon. There's so, there's so much at stake in this life that sometimes we could fail to live our lives for the future. We could get caught up in 
what's happening with us now here. New job, new work, rent hasn't been paid. Kids are in trouble. Or material wealth, material goals. But we need to think like Paul, forget what is behind, and reach forward to what is ahead, and pursue the prize promised to us by God. And we as a church need to do this together. We need to encourage each other to to live lives for our heavenly calling. We are not we're not citizens of this earth, of the, of this world. We are citizens of a heavenly calling, of the new heavens and a new earth. So we need to thank God for each other and remember each other in our prayers. We need to push each other to continue to partner in the gospel together, keeping in mind the return of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the book of Philippians and reminding us that as a a church body, there are many things to be thankful for, for for this church, God, and the people here the lives that you've changed, the lives that you've called out of darkness into marvelous light. And Lord, we pray that as we partner in the gospel together, that it would bear much fruit and that you would help us have a mindset that is focused on the return of Christ, sharing the gospel to people, reaching others, um, wanting to see your kingdom come. So, Lord, as a church, help us to do, to do that, to encourage one another, to not be afraid to share the gospel, not be afraid to rebuke one another when, um, when someone is in sin. We need to do all this because the day of your return is drawing near. Lord, thank you for your son, Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.